Okay, if you've got your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 8. Beth, you definitely have your Bible. Okay, what we're going to be looking at today is uh, three things in John chapter 8. Real truth, real freedom, and real Jesus. If you're a visitor, uh, you will not know this, but we are going through the book of John. uh, And we have called the series Real Jesus, because we're passionate as a church about Jesus. We love Jesus. And so we... I've decided to go through this book in quite some detail, and we've done that, we've decided that because the book of John is such a good and helpful book when it comes to looking at who Jesus is, who he was, what he did, what he said, what he was like, what was his character like, what did he say to people who followed him, to people who didn't follow him. And so we're going to be continuing going through this book today in John chapter 8. Two weeks ago, I spoke through uh, the beginning part of John chapter 8. So we went up to verse 30, and we looked at this great statement that Jesus makes at the Feast of Tabernacles. He stands up and he says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Basically what he says is this, all of scripture finds its fulfilment in me. The big story of scripture finds its fulfilment in me. So that time when uh, the Israelites were following, walking around the desert and following this like this pillar of fire so they wouldn't get lost for years and years. That finds its fulfilment in me. Follow me. He stood up and said, follow me. I'm the light of the world. We live in a dark world, but Jesus is light within the darkness. And he said that and people are like, hmm. They don't just fall at his feet and worship him. They're like, hmm, really? Prove it. Why, why should we believe that you're the light of the world? And, and so he, he explains. He says, well, this is why you should believe me. I come from the Father and I'm going to the Father. I have authority. I was with the Father in the beginning. I'm going to the Father. I speak with authority. He says, and then he says, you know, actually... In your court, in Jewish law, you need two witnesses for something to be true. Okay? Witness number one, me. Witness number two, the Father. He's with me. That's two witnesses. You can believe me because there's two witnesses. And then he says, this is why you should believe me. Because otherwise you're going to hell. And so we see this real Jesus who is hard and to the point. He says, if you don't follow me, you will die in your sins. Literally what he says. What does that mean? It means you're going to die in your sins, away from God, i.e. you're going to be going to hell. So he makes this outrageous statement. And that's who the real Jesus is. And then he says, this is, this, if you follow me, this is how your sins will be forgiven. And he talks about being lifted up. Talking about that day that he will be lifted up on a cross. The way that Jesus... The way that God dealt with our sin was by putting Jesus on a cross. And this is all found at the beginning of chapter 8, the first half of chapter 8. And verse 30 is fantastic, and we touched on it right at the end, because it says this, some people believed. Some people believed what Jesus said. Some people chose to follow him. And so we'll continue in starting in verse 31 today with 
the people who had believed him. I'm reading, oops, I need to get there. I'm reading from the ESV, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Pressure. At least it's not Jonah. That would have been real pressure. Okay, so John chapter 8, verse uh, 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, You will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me, because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if, Abraham, if you're Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. But you now seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon. Advertising in the world is big, big business. Big money business. In the US alone, in 2018, just through TVs, 71 billion dollars has been made just in the US just through adverts adverts are big deals big business in the world and what companies want to do with advertisements is they want you to believe their truth they say something and they want you to believe their truth I've got an example video of an advert that is trying to get you to believe, trying to sell you something, so that by believing, by you believing the truth. So Verity, if we could play it, please. I was your classic busy mom. 
Husband and I both worked. Babysitter bailed. Three kids. Oh, careful. You know, busy. But it was the little things that really drove me to the edge. Laundry that piled up. Garbage not getting taken out. And apparently, everyone in my family thought that light bulbs just changed themselves. Anyway, one day I was making BLTs for lunch when I said, Honey, can you change the light bulb? The next day I was making bacon for the salad, and I said, Can you set the tape? It was like... Change your life with bacon. <laughs> Amazing. That's the take-home message from today. We can all leave now. You just need bacon. <laughs> Don't need Jesus. It's all about bacon. Um, the truth, obviously, that that advert is trying to persuade you with is you can change your life if you buy some nice, crispy bacon. And that's obviously a silly example, but that's what advertisers, that's what advertisement try to do. This is the truth. You can, if you want a better life, believe us, we know the truth. And so there's, we live in this world with this, this real confusion, because obviously bacon is not going to change your life, that I'm aware of. That bacon, I know that's a shocking statement. I even got a gasp from a vegetarian, so that's quite, it's quite amazing. Um, but that, it, it, we live in this world where truth is confused. And in fact, some people would even argue that there's no such thing as truth. That we live in this, in this post-truth society where truth isn't so much me holding a book. It's, it, it's what you believe. It's what you experience. It's what you think. If you think that I'm holding a book, then that's cool. But if you don't think I'm holding a book, that's also truth. That's your truth. You find yourself in that. And that's, that's the world we... That's really the world... We live in. There's big, big religions, groups of people literally following charismatic leaders who say, I've got the truth, follow me. And there's religions that are still doing very well today from leaders that spoke that years and years ago. So there's this confusion, like what's truth? Is, is that person saying the truth? Can we have something? Like, is, 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 can we even know that there is truth? Is it just kind of like what you feel, your experiences, your, how you've been brought up, the place you've lived? And so there's this real messy, confused world that we live in around truth. In fact, I was speaking to Alid uh, yesterday at breakfast, and him and a couple of the girls who work at one of the schools in Gothenburg had some training on Friday where they had a professional development guy come in. And he basically said, I quote word for word, Alid has guaranteed that this is absolutely <laughs> word for word. No, he, actually, he actually said he said something like this. He said, there is no truth. So the guy, the professional developer, said, there is no truth. There's no right or wrong. We are all just people understanding our experiences. There's no truth. That's what we, a leader is coming in to speak to a group of teachers about. Ariana Grande, I don't know how you say her name, Grand, Ariana Grande. Did I say it right? Ariande, Ariana Grande. Grande does not sound right. Are we sure it's right? Grande? We'll take it. We'll take it. Um, I just, I obviously am a passionate follower of her. Uh, I just saw a tweet that came up the other day uh, on her Twitter feed. And 
She's obviously had a very tough time recently. There was quite a horrific event that happened in a concert of hers in Manchester, the UK, a couple of years ago. And quite recently, uh, her, one of her ex-boyfriends just suddenly died. So she's having a really tough time. And she tweeted this, you've just got to trust the universe. There's this, there's this, there's this truth and trust that can be found in the universe. The bottom line is this, truth is confused. Who knows what is true? People are saying you buy this, you're going to live a better life. People are saying there isn't anything as truth. People are saying, you know, trust the universe. What, in this like messy, confused world, it's so important that we see what Jesus says. Is there truth? Well, Jesus... In verse 32, speaks into this confused, messy world. And what does he say? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus, I absolutely love him, because what he does, he slices through things. Where we're you know, living in a culture where everyone's sort of like, okay, is there any truth? You know, what? Jesus says there is truth. Yeah, I know, it's my dance preach. It's my preach dance, all right? I practice it. I can hear you, Jared. Isn't that right, Nina? I'm at home doing my preach dance. <laughs> the glory's going to fall any minute now. Jesus, Jesus says things that absolutely slice through the confusion. The confusion of, is there any truth? What Can we find truth? Can we not find Is it such a thing? Jesus says, yes. You will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. We need to hear this. This is a really timely thing to hear in our time, in our culture. Can you know truth? Yes, you can. Everything Jesus has said, is saying, is truth, because Jesus is truth. And it's so, so important that we hear that. In fact, in the beginning of chapter 8, we found out Jesus said, of course I'm telling the truth. I'm from the Father. I'm to the Father. Everything Jesus said is true. When Jesus speaks, we hear truth. And it's so important that we understand that. It's so important that we know that. It means that when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he really is the light of the world. It means when we hear Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. It means we can come to Jesus if we're thirsty, if we're tired, if we need more, we come. When he said, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, this is all truth. Everything Jesus said is truth. So, so important that we get that. Scripture, the words of Jesus, scripture, everything in here is truth. Struggling, wondering what truth is, wondering where to go, what, where's my next like, direction in life, what should I be doing, what shouldn't I be doing, what, what, where do I go? Go to scripture. Because in scripture you find the words of Jesus. And Jesus speaks truth. In a messy, confused world, there is truth, and his name is Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.16 uh, says, All scripture is God-breathed. This is our plumb line, because in it we find the words of truth, we find Jesus. 
and it's so so important I I can honestly admit I'm not the best at reading my Bible I I you know do I read a book do I go through the whole thing do I go from it backwards frontwards what what do I do upside down like sometimes I struggle how find a way that works to read the Bible not because we need to read the Bible to impress people but because in it is truth in a world that is very very messy very very confused in here we find the truth and it's so so important so don't work through the Bible in a year just to sort of tick that off the Christian to-do list 20 things to do before you die read it because in it you find truth in it you find Jesus because Jesus doesn't just speak truth he is truth Jesus is truth so we find at the beginning of John chapter 1 that this word becomes flesh the spoken word of God becomes flesh and dwells amongst us as Jesus Jesus is truth literally personified so we are really passionate about the Bible in this church we love scripture and that's not just so that you can all pass your end of year Christian exam although of course that is coming up in just a couple of months so I hope you've been studying <laughs> we study scripture we open the scripture on a Sunday we look at it as small groups we encourage you to go away on your own with small groups and read it because in Scripture, we get to know Jesus. We get to see Jesus. We get to see the Messiah. And you can... Uh, okay. So first point today is you can know truth. And the truth is found in the person of Jesus. Second point, Jesus doesn't just say you will know the truth, he continues, he says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Knowing truth leads to freedom. Jesus, again, he, he doesn't just leave it abstract, he doesn't leave it out there, he doesn't just say, hey, you can know the truth, see you later. He says you can know the truth and the truth will set you free. So us knowing the truth sets us free. Hearing it, listening to it, understanding it, living, looking at it, knowing truth sets you free. And again, that really touches another current topic in our society, in our culture, freedom. What is freedom? Um, I googled the definition, what is freedom, and it came up with the power or right to act, speak or think as one wants. So definition, the power or right to act, speak or think as one wants. Whatever I decide to do, I do. That is the definition of freedom, if you google it. Everything has the, everyone has the right to do what you want. I think I see this quite a lot with kids. You know, even young kids. You can kind of, you know, if you want to eat chocolate for breakfast and sort of do whatever you want, you can do that. That's fine. We don't, you know, that's your right. I have my right here. You, you have your own individual right. That's like the society that we live in. Everyone's free to do exactly what they want. If you feel like doing this, you do that because it's on you. It's your free. 
within, again, within the world of market, marketing, consumerism, we live in a society where uh, it's, life is a lot about how much money you can make. And a lie that is just shouted at us again and again and again is if you make more money, you will be more free. You will be able to buy the next best car, bigger house, go on holiday. Just get that little bit more money, that next paycheck, that higher, that other zero on the end of your paycheck, and you will be free. You'll be free indeed. I mean, I've never had another zero on my paycheck, but I assume if you do, you probably just want another one and another one. It's a lie. That's not freedom. And I think even this has in, crept into the church. What does it look like? to be a Christian? Is Christianity just purely about love? Do you say you love God and kind of like everything else you're free? You know, as long as you love God, you're free. There's this, there's this, there's this trend that's taken over some of the church that's just, you know, love wins. You love God, that's cool. Anything else goes, as long as you love God. It's this freedom, like, yep, yeah, okay, I love God, but, you know, it says this, it says that, it says that. I don't feel like that's, mm, mm, that's not really for me. I won't take that bit. Oh, I like that bit, I'll take that bit. There's the, and it's come into the church. So it's this society thing that's come into the church. Are we, what, so what does it look like to be a Christian? Is that, is that correct? Because Jesus does say, for freedom, I have set you free. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed know the truth and the truth will set you free so there is this I mean it's not being plucked out from nowhere so what does Jesus mean when he talks about freedom hmm. firstly he means this freed from slavery to sin so the reality is that when you, people think they're free by following their own desires, by following, I want to go there, I want to go here. Actually, what Jesus would say is you're a slave to sin. You're a slave to your own desires. Sin, really, you can define it like this. It's becoming your own master. It's, desire, it's, it's just saying everything that goes, I decide. I, 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 I don't listen to God, I put other things in front of God. That's what sin is, it's putting other things in front of God. Things that I want. Forget what God says, it's things that I want. That's what sin is. Jesus says sin is slavery. It enslaves you. And that's like, that's not necessarily what people think of sin. People think sin equals freedom. It means I can kind of, you know, I do whatever I want so I can sin. Sin equals freedom. Actually, Jesus flips that. He's countercultural. He flips that. He says, no, sin is slavery. It's slavery to self as your own master. Romans 6. I could read it all, but I won't. Absolutely fantastic about this. I encourage you to read it at some point today, tomorrow, this week. And basically, we see in Romans 6 that we are all slaves to some, something. All of us everyone there's no one that is exempt from slavery that is alive that is a human no one you're either a slave to sin 
or you're a slave to obedience. And so Jesus says this, there is a chance to be freed from the slavery to sin. So we're freed from the slavery to sin by Jesus. But then you've got to ask the question, practically, what does freedom look like? And you can read, right at the beginning, Jesus says this, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, Jesus says, if you abide in his word, you will be free. Now again, you sort of, you read that and you think, right, okay, my understanding of freedom is I get to do what I want, but here, Jesus, you say, abide in my word. That sounds like I'm following you, Jesus. I thought freedom was about following me. So is, is Jesus contradicting himself? How can what Jesus just... What, how can what Jesus say there make sense? How can you abide in him and be free? Well, freedom, what Jesus is saying, is about and found in abiding in him. You find freedom when you abide in Jesus. What does abide mean? It means, it means when you believe in Jesus' teaching, when you're obedient to Jesus' teaching. Again, Romans 6 is fantastic on this. So are we freed to carry on singing, sinning? Does Jesus, does the grace of God say, okay, we're now freed to carry on sinning? Does, it mean, does freedom mean now we can do whatever we want? Paul says this, by no means, by no means, Paul, Jesus is interested in people who will follow him, who will truly be his disciples. So we're freed into Jesus to abide in his teaching. What does real freedom look like? It looks like abiding in Jesus' teaching. Freddie. For those of you that don't know me very well, I have a son called Freddie. He's two and a half years old. And one of his favourite things to do in the playground is not swing. It's not go down the slide. It's not run around. It's eat sand. He's passionate about it. You should try it. You really shouldn't. He, he went out yesterday with Nina. And he came back in an emergency because I just heard, I was studying upstairs, and I heard Nina, he needs to wash his mouth out. He's got a mouth full of sand. Like he, like he literally went to the playground and just ate sand. And, and, and what can happen is you, you, you kind of, you can kind of try to get him. You know, he, like, he picks up a mouth full of sand, and he knows that he shouldn't, and he looks around. <laughs> and what he does is he finds the most outrageous place to like, try and hide, his little legs running like this. And he'll like, just go and lie in a corner somewhere, like bum sticking up in the air, like trying to like, hide from you, because he knows he's done something wrong. But he thinks, no, I, what I'm doing is good. I should continue in it, because I think I know what I need, and what I need is a mouthful of sand. I've got freedom. I can do what I want. Obviously, as reasonably good parents, or at least, at least I would say we are aware that sand equals bad, that's fair enough. 
as good parents, we know what's right for, for Freddie. Eating sand equals bad. Okay? We didn't have to go to parent school to learn that one. Our child should not eat sand. Freddie thinks he can. So he runs away. He thinks he knows what he needs. But he doesn't. He doesn't need sand. He needs a good swing or go down the slide. And the reality is that in parenthood you see a lot of similarities between our relationship with God. And we often think that we know what we need. So we think, oh, it's freedom. You know, this is, this is my desire, this is what I need. But the reality is all we're doing is eating sand. And we just run away from our father, hiding in a corner, eating sand, because we think this is what we need. But the reality, that's not freedom. That's eating sand. That's slavery. Slavery to sin. And Jesus says this, you can find freedom. But it's found in following Jesus. You know, I thought it was great during worship today, just heard about Abba Father, we heard Jacob talk about this, uh, the Father, and then Alid just led into this song about the Father. That wasn't linked, by the way. Nina hadn't been around when Alid was practising worship, but he obviously chose it. So God was speaking to us about his Father heart. God knows you so well. You think you know yourself well? You do. Not as well as God knows you. God knows you so much better than you know yourself. He knows what is good for you. He knows what is bad for you. And so when you see Jesus say to do something, hey, this is the way you should go. This isn't because he hates you. It's because he loves you. It's because he knows you better than you know yourself. Just like I know Freddie better than he knows himself at the moment. We come to a father who is completely, completely, completely in love with his children, us as Christians. And he knows what is right for us. And he knows what is wrong for us. So we're freed to abide in Jesus' teaching. How is that freedom? Because Jesus knows exactly what we need. And it's the greatest freedom. So, two drivers in society today. Truth, freedom. Truth is found in Jesus. Freedom is found in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Real truth, real freedom, finally, real Jesus. So these statements that uh, Jesus makes obviously cause arguments, again, because often when Jesus spoke, we saw people disagree with what he said. And, so, and, and that happens again. It's not the first time we've seen it in John. It won't be the last. Jesus creates opinions. Any sane, this is maybe a bit harsh, most historians today, most sane historians today, would not argue that Jesus did not exist. 99.9% .9 of historians would say today that Jesus was a, was a man, that he was born 2,000 years ago, etc., etc. That's really, really rarely argued these days. What is argued... What is questioned is exactly what's happened here. 
the opinions on who Jesus is. Who really was he? Yes, we know he was a man. He was born in the Middle East. He was born 2000 years ago. But who really was he? Verity. I've got a short video to just with some, someone answering, asking some questions on who Jesus really was. Just a few interesting examples of who you think Jesus really is. There was another video I was going to show with a guy sitting on a bench absolutely covered in pigeons, which I thought was <laughs> an absolutely crazy guy. Um, I decided to go for that one instead. But there's this wide range of who people really say Jesus is. Who is he? It's a, it's a question that you can ask today, but it was also being asked 2,000 years ago. Who really is Jesus, because when he makes these statements, he stirs up opinions. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I am the light of the world. People get affected by that. People get opinions about Jesus because of what he says, because of what he did. And sometimes Jesus says something difficult. And the interesting thing is we started with Jesus having this conversation with some of the people who believed him. Verse 30, some believed. Verse 31, that he continues the conversation with some who believed. Yet when it gets to something difficult, they get a different opinion on Jesus. If, in fact, how I finished the uh, Bible reading, they say in verse 48 that Jesus is, I quote, demon-possessed. This is some people's view of Jesus. These were believers. Or at least they, they had a shallow belief. They believed some of what Jesus said. But when push came to shove, when he said, actually, there's some hard stuff that you need to hear as well, they said, you're talking rubbish, you're demon-possessed. You don't know Father. You don't know the Father. You don't know God. You're talking rubbish. That's what they said to him. 
Jesus creates opinions. It's, I mean, it's outrageous. And so Jesus, in the last few verses of chapter 8, explains who he is. For anyone in doubt, for anyone thinking he's demon-possessed, for anyone thinking that he was just a nice guy, for anyone thinking that he was a hippie, or all the other things that they said, Jesus is very kind to us. He explains exactly who he is. And I'm just going to, there's just a quote that I'm going to read, which just really lists off the things in this short passage that Jesus says about himself. He says he intimately knows his father, that he has been sent by God, that he is utterly sinless, that he speaks the very words of God and is the focus of God's glory, that he is the giver of eternal life. This is, this is Jesus saying, this is who I am, the giver of eternal life. He says he is the one Abraham saw in his theophanies. And most shocking of all, none other than Yahweh himself. He says right at the end, I am. Before Abraham, I am. Jesus has an opinion about himself. And his opinion is this. He is, I am. He is God. He is the Messiah. I would argue that this is one of the clearest sections in John, in such a short section where Jesus, Jesus says, you know, I can forgive sin. I'm, the, I'm intimate with the Father. I am. Just bang, 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 bang. Such a clear section of scripture that says, this is who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? He's the Messiah. He's God. He is I am. And it's fascinating because Jesus speaks in a setting that is becoming increasingly volatile, increasingly dangerous, where actually at the end of this scripture, they try to kill him by finding stones. So he's speaking in this setting. He's not speaking at an espresso house over a cup of coffee with someone who's an atheist and having a very respectful conversation. He's speaking in a setting where there's a horde of people literally about to kill him by gathering stones. But he doesn't hold back on truth. He doesn't hold back on who he is because he is truth. He can say nothing but truth. And so even in this life-threatening situation, when they say, who are you? He says this, I am. This is who Jesus is. And we get a choice to either be with him or against him. That's our choice. Jesus created opinions 2,000 years ago, demon-possessed. And he said back to them, you are of your father, the devil. Like There's opinions being made. He creates opinions today. And so we have a choice. We need to make our opinion. And we all do, whether we do or don't. We all do. Which is you're either for me or you're against me. Because Jesus is God. And we need to humble ourselves. We need to worship him. We need to fall under that. Otherwise, we're, we're, we're against him. And it sounds harsh. I'm, I'm sorry, but if you're not for him, you are, your father is the devil. It's what we see in scripture. 
the reality of scripture is the amazing news of grace is that once we were all lost once we were enemies of God but God being rich in mercy and grace gave Jesus so that we could get this we could get this opportunity to say I'm for you Jesus I want to follow you you're the light of the world you say you're the light of the world I want to follow you if you're not a Christian in here today again follow Jesus if you are a Christian in here again today follow Jesus because Jesus is God that means he gets to do what he gets to do and we follow him so when he says abide in my teaching of course we should follow that this is God speaking this is our, this is our father this is God this is Jesus Jesus does not fit around our thoughts of who he should be we need to fit around his this is who he is and the reality is you're gonna, you've got two options you can pick up some stones to throw him or you can fall down and worship him this is the real Jesus he doesn't hold things back he's not a hippie he's not a peace love everyone sort of just chill do whatever you want yes he does love everyone but he also says you know what that's bad for you follow my teaching I know the right way I'm the light of this world follow me I will show you the way out of the darkness we have a choice do we follow him or do we not yeah I think just to finish I was I was just driving through the city buying a washing machine and uh, yesterday and just again aware of the amount of cars like I mean we're a group of 30 people in here um, but the reality is that we live in a city of what a million people 500,000 in the centre and a lot more outside of that even you, and you kind of get a picture of that when you just drive in the car and there's like loads of cars and that's just one part of the Gothenburg the reality is that all these people are looking for something freedom perhaps they're going to buy the next washing machine because be, there'll be freedom in there they're, they're, they're searching for truth where's the truth is there such a thing as truth can I understand that can I not understand that what's going on there hundreds of thousands of people are making a choice we have such a privilege as a church that we know who Jesus is it's not always easy being a Christian isn't just about easy things it's not just about Jesus just says everything's good and everything's okay sometimes it's challenging but we get to do that because Jesus has brought us into the family why would we not want to please our father so we have this incredible privilege as a church which is to pray for the lost of Gothenburg there's many many who are making opinions about Jesus whether they know it or whether they don't they make opinions I pray that us will understand what real truth is what real freedom is who the real Jesus is but I also pray that many many out there also understand it one day Let's finish in prayer. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you for Jesus. Uh, we thank you for your son. We thank you that because of Jesus, we are made right with you. That we are accepted, that we are sons of God. And that is just absolutely incredible. So we thank you uh, for your son, Jesus. And we just pray um, 
May we come to scripture, may we come to the truth uh, with real humble hearts and be, will, be willing to be shaped by scripture. Lord, I just pray all of us in this room in 10 years time will be more, uh, more shaped by scripture than we are today. Lord, challenge us, speak to us. If we're going off track, bring us back on track because we just want to give glory to your son. We just want to give glory to Jesus. And we do pray for Gothenburg. We pray for all the people who don't know you, all those people in the car that don't know you. Jesus, have grace, have mercy on them. Just pray give each one, of the, um, each one of us opportunity to share the gospel this week, to love people, just, yeah, just to love people, to express your love for them through us, Lord. Holy Spirit, equip us, help us in that. Yeah, we love you, God. We worship you. Amen. 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 Okay.